did work in the child protection system and I saw awful stuff. And, you know, I came in at the beginning when the kids were being removed from the home. They were depressed, they didn't talk much. Sometimes they were very angry and they didn't feel good about themselves at all. As you get older, you know, isolation leads to depression, and then I think it leads to physical illnesses, whether they're real or not. So it kind of cycles. But I think a lot of the people that are isolated become afraid of the outside world, and understandably so. So it's easy just to stay in your own place, crank up your TV. In uh, a Bridge Meadows community, we have three generations who come together for a very special purpose. And so you have the joy and wonderment and perspective of children, and you have the wisdom and the life experience of the elders. And then you have the parents who are just trying to hold it all together, uh, raise these children well, do well by their families, and you need all three. And that it was the community that was the healing agent and not so much the clinicians. And then I thought, I gotta be a part of that. <laughs> I think for me, because these kids, most of the kids have had some pretty traumatic backgrounds, seen some things that I know my kids have never seen and had some insecurities around their first homes, second homes, third homes. And so when I'm with them, I'd like them to learn that I can be a security. I can be there for them. And there's nothing you gotta do for my love. Just be you and that's enough. No strings attached, I am all yours. You're getting older, I wonder who you will become. I know your story's far from Let me try it again. Good evening, everybody. There, I turned my mic on. That wasn't you, Brad. That was all me. How you guys doing? Good. Uh, well, my name is Jamie, and I'm the assistant pastor here. If, if you're new or you're checking things out for the first time, just want to welcome you, kind of let you guys know what you've gotten yourselves into a little bit. Um, we are in week five of a seven-week series called 12 Neighbors. And essentially, to try to sum this up in a sentence or two, um, we've been, as a church, learning about poverty and learning about the different kinds of poverty and how you as an individual or you as a Christian and us as a church can do to step in and show the love of Jesus. Is that, is that okay? 
that make sense? Is that an okay summary? Um, so the first week, we, we heard from uh, Marcel Lebrun, who is actually uh, a cross-pointer here, uh, who made this series and kind of made this content for anyone, for the general church, and we're just lucky enough to, to be able to share in that together. In the first week, we talked about poverty specifically. We talked about what poverty is and the different kinds of poverty and, and how we can help, and he kind of set us up for uh, the remainder of these videos. Um, and for the first week, we talked about what it means to spend yourself. And Pastor John talked about not when, when you serve somebody, you uh, are essentially serving from what God has already filled you with. And there are some times when you, the overflow of that filling gets sent to other people. And in serving people, you also get filled yourself. And so many of us, when we want to help with, um, with poverty or the poor or the marginalized, we think, well, what can I give, Right? our resources or our, you know, out of our wallet or whatever the case may be. But sometimes we need to spend ourselves. And so that was the first week. Second week, we talked about relief versus development. And what relief is, is that is giving uh, out of your resources, like momentarily, temporary giving something that will only help short term. Whereas development it is reaching and digging into the foundational problems of poverty and even on a more spiritual level, the, the foundational problem of sin in our own lives. And so we talked about relief versus development. Um, and last week, Pastor Dave talked about strengths. Uh, sometimes as individuals, sometimes when uh, we see someone who is maybe poor or marginalized or even uh, see somebody maybe that we don't know or we, maybe we don't agree with, we tend to always look at their deficiencies. But... Uh, Pastor Dave, and I thought it was a great, great sermon, he talked about us looking at people's strengths, starting with strengths. Like, let, let's look at that in people, and, and let's begin to, uh, to find remedy for whatever is ailing them. Let's look at their strengths and start there, instead of starting with their deficiencies. Uh, this week, we're going to look uh, a little more internally. We've been talking a lot about some external stuff and what we can do outside the four walls, and today I want to start by talking a little bit about uh, the internal stuff, uh, specifically creating context for community. We need to be create sometimes context in order for us to serve our community. And so I want to talk about the internal because I think that sometimes when you and I can understand one another better, that sets us up as a team, as a church to go out into the community and help serve. And so when we understand one another, right? It's an internal thing. So we're talking a lot about perspectives, and that word was even kind of used in uh, our video today, perspective. Uh, my perspective changed a little bit this week. Um, if, uh, if you don't know, and, and that's okay if you don't, if you're new or you're visiting, you have no idea who I am, and that's okay. But um, back in late November, early December, my wife and I, Catherine, uh, became foster parents. And so we thought having uh, an insane nine-year-old and an 11-year-old wasn't enough. We thought, let's just spice things up. And so uh, we actually ended up taking a sibling group, uh, some sisters, uh, at 15 weeks old and 15 years old. Yeah. We were like, you know what? One's not enough to make things crazy around here. Let's add a baby and a teenager. Like, that was our line of thinking. Uh, I don't know where. But my, our 15-year-old, my perspective changed a little bit this week because she turned 16. Like, I have a 16-year-old, which is 
crazy. I mean, I, I am one to, to normally think, like, age is, in, is nothing but a number. Age is just a number. But 16 is a little bit different. Like, sweet 16 is like, you're starting to think about, like, school and university. I have to teach someone to drive this year. Like, that's scary, not for me, but for her. Like, me sitting in the, like, in the driver's, or the, the, the passenger side, like, my goodness. But 16, you know, the, the thing you think about when you're 16 is, I've got to get that license. And so, perspective changed a little bit, because the one thing that uh, our foster daughter wanted to do was get her beginners. Like, my 16th birthday, let's go down to Service NB, right? And let's just do that. That was her one wish. Now, I don't have anything against Service NB. I, no, don't laugh. Hold on a sec. And I, look, I, people complain about the weight, and, and people complain about, like, being impatient people. I've never had any of those problems with Service NB. I'm being completely honest. been there dozens of time, times, and I've never had an issue with Service NB, except this one time that I want to tell you about. I was in once. Uh, I had an expired driver's license, so I had to go and get a new one. And so I didn't, I mean, I got my ticket and I, I, I paid, uh, you know, the registration fee and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't have to wait long. I had no complaints at all. And so as soon as I paid, they said, okay, I want to send you down the way a little bit. And you have to stand in front of like the little background in front of the camera. And they say smile and all that kind of stuff. So I did. Got in front of the camera. And I, and I say this with all sincerity. I'm not typically one who worries about my looks too much, Right? Did you see who I was married to? I got it. I got locked down. So I'm not worried about how I look from here, from this point on. So I stood in front of the camera and they took a picture and the guy turned the screen around and he said, is this picture okay? And for the first time ever in my life, I looked at the picture and thought like, goodness, no, that picture is not good. Like, no, I don't want that picture. Can I get a new one? I look really ugly. And the guy looks at the screen. And he looks at me and he looks at the screen. He says, I don't know. I'm pretty much, this looks like a great representation of what you look like. <laughs> like, this is what he said to me. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, more like disservice NB. <laughs> See, we just had different perspectives on the situation. He saw it one way and I saw it another way. It was just how it went down, but... Perspectives gives us insight into how someone lives and how someone thinks. And so uh, I loved the picture of Bridge Meadows, and I want to really focus in on that story this week. Bridge Meadows is uh, this housing complex in Oregon, and they, they're starting to have um, more and more of these places across the country because I think that they're so important and so cool and so unique. Uh, Bridge Meadows is this housing complex that takes these three very distinct generations, three very distinct perspectives, and they all live and commune together. And it's, just quite, it's quite an interesting um, situation. And they, they solve four problems with this. Housing, child welfare, aging, and health. Like those are four very common things that even in our own communities, we look around and those are things that sometimes we, we struggle with. Housing, child welfare, aging, and health. Yet, these four things are in the same context. 
They've created a context to try to take care of these four things. And so I just want to read this uh, little thing from Bridge Meadows to give you a sense of who they are. Bridge Meadows is, is, is an intentional, intergenerational living community where youth in foster care, their adoptive parents, and elders find a true home built with love and a shared vision of a better tomorrow. Youth move from the instability of trauma of foster care to permanent homes with families. Their adoptive parents grow into stronger, more confident providers. Elders, or the seniors, they find safe, affordable housing and the chance to use their wisdom and experience to make a life-changing difference. Like, those are three very unique, very different perspectives, all under one roof. And the, the, the elders, when they come in, to uh, these housing complex, they agreed 100 hours of community engagement. So they know exactly what they're getting into. They know that there's going to be kids running around, right? So it's very, very unique. And I began to think, like, what if, what if our churches did ministry in this way? Like, what if, like, the different perspectives of faith and the journey with Jesus from very different generations— like, what if sometimes they combine to be able to learn from one another? Wouldn't it be a wonderful way for us to see each other's gifts and values, no matter what your age is, so that we can create context to go out and serve our community in different ways? Like, this was the thing that I had to wrestle with. And so this reminded me of a passage from the book of Titus. And so if you've got your Bible, uh, you can turn to Titus. It's near the back, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. And uh, it's one of the letters of Paul writing to a young pastor. So Titus was a young pastor, and it was his job to be on the island of Crete, which is off of Greece. And Paul wrote him this letter to tell him and encourage him how to deal with very different generations and very different perspectives of faith. And he wasn't like a kind of a typical lead pastor like you think. The, Titus was very specific. He was like a, like, a, like a spiritual discipleship kind of pastor. And so it was his job. He was tasked with teaching new converts in, in Crete, regardless of their age or their sex or their background, helping others to grow as new believers in their kind of various perspectives. And so in this letter, in this portion of letter that, letter that we're going to read together, Uh, Paul teaches Titus about community healing, relational wisdom, and intergenerational worship. So those are the kinds of things that he covers in this. So I once want to read this for a moment. This is Titus 2, starting at verse 1. This is Paul writing to him. It says, As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women. Now, this is a young pastor teaching older men and teaching older women. Teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands, and then they, uh, then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Now, let me pause here, and you guys know exactly where I'm going right now. Because I, I, I don't want that last line 
to distract us from what God wants to teach us. And so we often look at that line and think, women need to be submissive. Okay? Like we read that and we think, well, that's quite misogynist. That seems kind of sexist. You know, and so I want to make this very clear. A wife being submissive to her husband, or at least that's what our text says, is not a promotion of general subjugation of all women under all men. Okay? Uh-oh, it got real quiet. <laughs> Online, it got real quiet in here in case you didn't notice. Like, that's not what this is saying. In a New Testament context of the family, uh, the, the husband... And the father, he was set up as a spiritual leader in the house. And so that's what that is referring to, okay? That he's, he's, he's the spiritual leader in the house. Now, we have a lot of context now where we don't have men in the picture anymore. We have a lot of single moms who are the spiritual leaders in their, in their house. And this is, uh, this is why Ephesians 5 talks about this directly. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. In, in other words, the man also submitted himself as Christ did for the church, the same way that he should for his wife. You guys tracking with me? So don't let that distract from our point for a moment. We're not talking about the inequality of women. We're talking about the equality of our strengths to serve one another for kingdom purposes. Okay? Okay. I don't believe you. There are going to be conversations after. I can just feel it. Let me go back to verse 4. The older women must train younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure, to be work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Verse 6. In the same way, encourage young men to live wisely. Okay? It's like teaching young men, don't spend all your time on their Xbox. That's not living wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching cannot be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Skip down to verse 11. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. And so Paul is like laying things out a little bit. Not, not just is he talking about the who and the how as far as it comes to spiritual discipline and holiness, but he's giving us a guideline about how we, regardless of age or sex or background or whatever, can support one another in discipleship, can support one another in holiness. Everyone has something to bring to the table. And so Paul specifically addresses every generation of believer so that we can learn from one another and so Paul refers to older men teaching younger men. He's talking about older women teaching younger women and children. And he's, teach, he's saying we can benefit from understanding one another's perspective. They can teach one another self-control and respect and sound faith, love and patience. They can be examples of, uh, of living wisely, purity, teaching truth. They can show one another good works, righteousness, and devotion. And so I love this picture of Bridge Meadows, and I don't know if it's a Christian organization or not, but they kind of exemplify a little bit this, this guideline that Paul is trying to teach Titus here of this kind of intergenerational worship, this relational wisdom, this kind of communal uh, aspect of us understanding our, our perspectives with one another. 
So we see seniors teaching these, these future adoptive parents, and we see these foster kids bringing life and laughter to these seniors who, whose lives right now seem kind of isolated. And so we have these perspectives that are, are just bumping into one another. And so here are some of the things that I think God's word says that we can learn from one another and from one another's um, perspectives. Wisdom is one of those things. Older generations can teach uh, younger generations about wisdom. This is what it says in Job 12. Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. Right? Wi- wisdom, we can, we can learn as, as young adults or teenagers or kids or whatever. We can learn from the wisdom and experience of others. This is what it says about holiness in Proverbs 16. Older generations can teach holiness to younger generations. Proverbs 16 says, gray hair is a crown of glory. I don't know why some of you are changing the color of your crown all the time. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. That is, the more and more you live within, in the wisdom of God's word, the more and more you understand holiness and the process of getting closer and closer to Jesus, older generations can teach that to younger generations. Now let's flip the script here for a moment. What is it that younger generations can teach our older generations? The first thing I I thought of was wonder. Younger generations can inspire older generations with wonder. And this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 18. This is Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will not Uh, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so what he's saying is like, like experience the wonder of a kid when you walk with Jesus. In your relationship with Jesus, no matter what your age is, like ask those, ask questions like kids do. Like wonder about God and his character like kids do. And they may seem like crazy questions. My kids will come up with crazy questions about God and how he works and what he does. But there's this aspect of wonder that's in those questions that sometimes we lose as adults. So humble yourself like a child. And faith, younger generations can teach older generations about a powerful and humble faith. This is what Psalm 18 says about a worshiping child. It says, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Have you ever seen, like parent, I'm just speaking to parents uh, for a moment. Have you ever seen your child worship? Like it's a powerful sight. Like when you get the opportunity to worship with your child, that's a powerful sight. And the kingdom uses that to teach us, us old folks. I consider myself old at this point. It can teach us more about who God is and what a worshiper looks like. We can teach one another. And that's why this year throughout our vision, we've been talking about having conversations, sitting at people at at tables, just learning about one another, seeing one another face-to-face and learning our perspectives on certain things. So regardless of age, sex, or background, we can learn if we're willing to listen and also teach and also show what of what we've learned of what God has taught us. When we better understand each other, we better understand how we can love our neighbors more effectively as a community. So here's the thing. When we talk about loving our neighbor, a lot of us think that that's a singular concept. A lot of us look at that and think it's an individual responsibility. In a lot of ways, it is. 
Like loving your neighbor is something that you as an individual must do. But loving your neighbor is also a very communal concept. It's something that we do together. And once we understand one another's perspectives, we understand one another's gifts, we understand one another's abilities, we understand our strengths as individuals, and we understand someone else's strengths. And once we understand these things, we can work together to bring the love of Christ to our community. Right? This is how Ephesians 4 puts it anyway. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Jesus Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, that's saying you, no matter what generation you're from, you have your own special work that you bring to the table. And it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is why we understand one another's perspectives and gifts and abilities and strengths. So God uses them for his kingdom purposes when we are filled with the Spirit and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. He gifts us in such a way. And when we understand what those are, we can then find out ways, create new context to serve our community. So the bond of Jesus uses each one of us to accomplish kingdom purposes. And when we, when we tackle a problem together as a church, we all bring all sorts of experience and giftings to the fold. And we understand that Jesus, look, Jesus does all the heart work, all the soul work, right? He is ultimately the one that changes a heart, but he wants to use us. He wants to use us as a people, as a group, in our various strengths and abilities and giftings. And he wants us to use that in someone's life so that he can, in part, change a heart. When we understand each other better, we understand how we can love our neighbors more effectively and as a community. So here's the obvious question. Like, the obvious question is like, okay, how, how do I do this? Like, what is it that I have to offer? A lot of you are thinking, like, I have no idea, like, what I can offer to my community. And sometimes uh, it's just as easy as joining like an existing initiative, right? We talked about this in our 12 neighbors groups, if you're in them. Like sometimes it's easy to just join something that's already happening. And sometimes it's, 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 it's better to maybe even start a new initiative. And sometimes uh, some of these initiatives have lots of resources and they have, they have lots of things to make it run. And sometimes they need us to help fulfill those resources. And so for each one of us, we have this question of, okay, well, where do I start? And so I just want to give some maybe suggestions for each one of us. For the senior here, or the elder, and I'm not going to put an age on that. I don't want any more conversations after church than I'm already going to have to have. Okay, for, you'll, I'll let you consider whether you're a senior or not. Like for the senior, maybe you're in a spot in life where you have physical limitations. I get that, right? My parents are in that. They're not here to hurt me after, but they're kind of in that spot in life where they have certain physical limitations and they're not able to do certain things. And so maybe you find yourself in that category. And so you may not be able to uh, take part in, in like a physical activity or a sporting event or a community thing that's happening. You may not be able to physically take part, but you can encourage people. You can tell people their value and what you see in them. 
You can tell people, uh, you, can, you can give them wisdom and experience from, from something that you've experienced in your life. That is valuable. That's so valuable for a church. So incredibly valued. For, for the kid, on the opposite end of the spectrum, like money and resources. And when I say a kid, I, really I'm speaking to children, I'm speaking to teenagers, I'm speaking even to young adults, okay? Like money and resources may not be a thing that you have a lot of. And so you begin to think, and especially in this, this generation that we're with right now, where everything is social justice, we need to change this, we need to do this. You know, you might not have the time and the resources to do what you want, but you can bring joy and you can bring life you can bring spontaneity to something. You, you can bring laughter and joy into someone else's life. You, you can sit and take in what someone has experienced in their journey with Jesus. And, and you have so much to offer, to learn as you carry on the torch of the church, like the capital C church, like it's in your hands. And then we have right in the middle, we have like the, the, the parent or the adult in like the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. You have those people who, maybe they're in a spot in life where time is limited. And I don't mean like time is limited on your life. I mean t- your time in your week is limited. You've got kids and you've got a job and a career, like kind of a goal-driven thing that you're, you're striving for. You've got, uh, you know, you've got a vocation and you've got family to support and you've got all these things going on. And in the course of a week, you just don't have time to like serve 100 people every week. You just don't. And I find myself even in that category. But you have resources. And you may not have time for 100 people this week, but what if you had time one hour a week for one person? What if you took time to sit at a table with one person every week? That one person, week after week, you give them one hour, and you just you begin to share experience with one another what God is doing in your life. And, and you get to hear what God is doing in their life and you begin to share in experiences. You may be on different like lifestyles or points of view, but you can understand perspective and you have time to give in to that one person. Look, I don't know what it is that you have to offer. I don't know everybody in the room. I don't know what your gifts and your abilities are, but you have something to offer and the kingdom wants to use it. It is in, it is in need of your gifting. It is in need of your perspective so that we can share together as a community in learning how to support and love the poor and the marginalized. And, and the person who doesn't know Jesus. Like we need to combine our strengths and our efforts to serve those outside the church. And when we understand one another better, we begin to understand how we can serve and love our neighbor more effectively. So I want to challenge you with this. Like what is it that you can do right now I mean, like, the end of this service, where do you start? And so here's what I want you to do. And I actually want you to do this right now. I just want you to look around the room in different people's faces. You might have to turn around and, like, do a 360 or 180 or whatever. Like, look at the different faces. Who in your life has inspired you? Who in your life do you know has prayed for you? Or who have you prayed for? Who has done something or served you in, in, in a way that you'll never forget? Like Noni came to me and asked me if, in my brown bread if I wanted raisins or not. And I said, no, you don't put raisins in anything. That's witchcraft. You don't. You don't ruin anything with raisins, Noni. 
I love Loni. Like, Loni wants to serve that way. If that's, if that's a loaf of brown bread, absolutely. Right? Like, that kind of stuff. Like, you can do that for someone. That's not hard. Just telling somebody how much you love and appreciate them. Do that thing. Like, tell someone what you mean to them. Right? Or what they meant to you. Thank them for that thing that they did for you that one time. Encourage them. Say, I see you serving in this capacity every week. Thank you so much for pouring my coffee. Like, those kinds of things, that's where you can start. Right? Like, when I talk about strengths and abilities, those are all different forms and shapes and sizes. Encourage somebody today. Like, when the clock hits zero and you go home, before you leave, find someone who did something in your life and thank them. Encourage them. Like, that's where you can start. That is understanding perspective. Because I guarantee you that if you do that, whether or not you like conversation or not, that will spur on conversations of perspective. When you thank someone for what they did, for that one time that they served you, or you saw them serve in that way, or or they came and they delivered that baked good to your house that time, I I guarantee you that some of that will, will, will spark conversation about perspective, through the example that Jesus gave us through his, his ministry on, work, on earth and through the work of his sacrifice on the cross and a resurrected life through the filling and power of the Holy Spirit, we fill one another up so that we're empowered to do the work for kingdom purposes. That's powerful stuff. And this is how Paul ends this chapter of his letter to Titus. He says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Wouldn't you just love to see salvation in all people? Right? That was a fantastic musical cue, Erica. Well done. Verse 12. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Let's talk about repentance, right? Like when we work together and we love our community and love on someone, they can be moved to a place of repentance and, and understand who Jesus is. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. And while we look forward with hope, that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave us his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Church, let's let's have conversations and understand one another's perspectives so that we can understand the needs of our community and go out filled with our own strengths and our abilities and everything that you bring to the table. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we just follow, we want to we want to commit to following you wherever you take us. Jesus, we want to follow you in every nook and cranny of our city to bring the love of Jesus to somebody who needs it, to the poor and the marginalized, Father. But God, may we first do it with ourselves. May we love one another. May we encourage one another. May we have conversations with one another here inside the four walls so that we understand one another's perspective. That we understand that the strengths and the gifts, the ability that each one of us have somewhere deep down that we can bring to the table and we can be a force so we can run towards hell with water guns and and claim the victory in Jesus Christ. Because God, when we do this together and when we bring what we have to the table, 
In Jesus' name, you use it for kingdom purposes, God, and you change hearts and you change lives through the things that you've gifted to us, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we follow you anywhere, and we do it together as a church, as individuals, and as a community, God. We want to create a context to see people be raised from death to life in Jesus Christ. And all of God's people agreed and said,